1: The Joyce Kaufman podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4 Code Red or visit coderedroofers.com. I
2: have to admit, you all know that I'm totally obsessed with like Supreme Court stuff and it's not often that well, it is now becoming more often that you have an opportunity to actually listen to the arguments. You know, one hour's worth of arguments on any particular case, but on some important cases they're being really good about allowing cameras in. And so all I can tell you is everywhere I went today, people were holding their like cell phones up to their ears. Because, thank goodness, people are interested in this, and the Supreme Court was hearing arguments from the state of Colorado regarding removing Donald Trump from the ballot. And so you can never really tell what the justices are thinking, even if you listen to the arguments in full, which, by the way, I did. I I not only attempted to do it live, but then just about 20 minutes ago, I went through some significant portions that I wasn't able to jot down any notes about. And all I can tell you is after listening to that, those questions being posed, not just by the conservative justices, as a matter of fact, Katanji Brown was really, I don't know if she was trying to help the Colorado people, But she just dug their grave deeper. And I think that um, this is crazy that we're even having such a case in front of the Supreme Court and all of the justices, almost to a person, Elena Kagan on the left, um, uh, Amy Coney Barrett on the right. So, well, wait a second. If we allow this, then what is to stop every party that's in control of the state legislature or in control of the governor's mansion from knocking the opposing party's candidate off of the ballot. And and look, you can make the argument, well, uh, Donald Trump has been accused of something that can knock you off the ballot. No, actually, this charge is not something that can knock you off the ballot. It's something that can knock you out of office if you're an office holder. And the last time I checked, as much as I want it to be so, Donald Trump doesn't hold any public office right now. None. And the whole thing has been ridiculous. And if you listen to the arguments today, I almost, nah, I didn't feel bad for the Colorado folks. I I really didn't because they were, what a stupid, Stupid argument to make in the first place. And then the way they said it, you know, they came in all kinds of obnoxious. Now you're standing in front of the Supreme Court. You've got justices. The only one who was there when they heard the case of uh, Gore v. Bush was Thomas, Justice Thomas. The rest of them weren't around for as monumental a decision regarding elections as this before. So they were interested and they understood that this would have very important ramifications going forward and almost to a justice. The only one who looked like she might dissent, because it should be a majority opinion in my my humble estimation, this should be a majority opinion. But it looks like Sonia Sotomayor will not go along with the the honest truth. Um, she's just bizarre. The more I think about all of the trouble I was given when she was nominated by Bill Clinton, and all I could say was, like, why do we need a Latina female? What does a Latina female bring to the Constitution that anybody else who's a constitutional scholar, an attorney trained in constitutional law, what, are the, what does she bring to it, a different language? She eats mofongo for dinner? I, it just never made sense to me, and people got all upset with me. Oh, you should be overjoyed, and this is such a monumental, you know, ceiling-breaking moment. Well, if you could have heard her today, you would understand why I was so reluctant back then. Because there's nothing worse than a blithering idiot. Even if they happen to be a woman like you and Puerto Rican like you, it's still a blithering idiot, it's a blithering idiot by any other name. I'm going to take a break on time because I have Ira Melman. He's down at the border with the Federation of American Immigration Reform. And they have some, they, they really need to tell us what's going on down there. I know that many of you watch Bill Melugin or some other people who are covering the border But nobody like FAIR. Federation for American Immigration Reform has been there since the beginning of every battle. And I want to know what they're seeing down there today. So don't touch that dial. And if you're going to do anything, just download our apps. You can participate in contests and listen to podcasts. But that's the only thing you're allowed to do. Stay right where you are. I'll be right back with Ira Melman. All right, and uh, welcome back. As promised, uh, my friend Ira Melman, who has been with the Federation for American Immigration Reform since back in the 80s. And Ira and I have been covering this issue forever. At one point, he was the press secretary of the House Defense Appropriations Subcommittee. He's got columns everywhere. But more importantly is he always reaches out to me with, you know, insight into the latest story. So, Ira, you're down at the border just try to give us, you know, a little bit of the flavor. I mean, it's got to be crazy. I I see the numbers at your website. There's already 7,000 crossings just today.
1: Yeah. And the numbers are going through the roof. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, most of them are now being transferred to Arizona and California. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that has changed just within the past few weeks is some of the actions that Governor Abbott has taken has convinced the cartels that maybe you ought to try someplace else. Uh, You know, Texas has drawn a line in the sand. Uh, You know, the the local officials tell us that the federal government, the agents for uh, the Border Patrol and and some of those other agencies, you know, they're not going to challenge the uh, Texas authorities unless they're directly ordered to do so by Washington. And and so far that hasn't happened. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you also talk to the folks down there along the border, and, you know, they will tell you their lives have been turned upside down uh, and it all started on January 20th, 2021, with the policies of this administration. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that is ongoing. Uh, but there is some hopeful news and some hopeful indications insofar as uh, Governor Abbott has succeeded in diminishing the influx, at least through Texas. And it's now up to California, Arizona, and New Mexico to decide whether they want to become the entry points and deal with the same problems.
2: Well, I think uh, California is a lost cause. Governor Newsom, you know, I, I think he would yeah, like to.
1: Yeah. I think a bit facetious about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's not he, he's not doing anything anytime soon.
2: No, if anything, he'll add to the insanity. But, you know, I was listening to Senator Langford this morning, you know, b- like crying and whining and complaining about how he has a pen and he's a senator and he is supposed to go up to Washington and do something. And then he's all ticked off that this border bill, which wasn't a border bill at all, didn't pass. And I'm thinking to myself, do these guys have absolutely no... Um, They're not connected to the American people if they think that what we want is for them to give us five thousand aliens a day, and 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 act as if you know Ukraine and the border in Ukraine and the border in Israel and Gaza is more important than our own. How out of touch are they?
1: Extremely out of touch. Apparently, you mentioned five thousand a day. Mm -hmm. That comes to one point eight two five million per year. That is more illegal aliens that they would be admitting than legal immigrants to the United States every year. They, mm-hmm. they would actually codify illegal immigration uh, at $1.825 million. And, and there are loopholes in that which would drive the numbers even higher. Uh, you know, he was sent in there by Mitch McConnell. Uh, you know, I have no idea what he would think. They walked right into a trap. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they went in there. Uh, they got rolled by Chuck Schumer and the White House. They came out with a bill that, as you point out, would actually make the problem worse. It would create new incentives to abuse our asylum system. Uh, it would do nothing to rein in the president's abuse of parole authority. The, the numbers would go through the roof, uh, and, and you know it would be codified into law. Uh, so you know, what Mitch McConnell was thinking is beyond me. I have, I have no idea what he was uh, doing when he sent Lankford in there. But, you know, thankfully, the bill was so bad that it went down to defeat. Now they have to actually do something positive. The mm-hmm. House last year passed H.R. 2. Uh, it is a really good bill. It would really clamp down on illegal immigration. Uh, that should be part of the funding bill for uh, Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. Or it should be in the federal budget when it's passed, hopefully next month. Right. Uh, this has to stop. And what McConnell and Langford did... It, would do nothing to
2: stop it. Mm-hmm. Well, and no policy change, then guess what? There'll be no reduction in in these uh, illegal crossings. And you know, I love how Congress. You know, they they think they're they're accomplishing something when they float other kinds of a- avenues, whether it's uh, foreign workers programs with temporary. Uh, credentials i mean why not just seal the border now he's blaming joe biden is blaming donald trump for this problem that's pretty funny
1: right well you know mitch mcconnell opened the door you know th- mm-hmm. they went in there and negotiated something and then it blew up in their faces uh you know it was also a pr disaster for mcconnell uh because now he has to take the blame for this mm-hmm. but you know the putting that aside, there is action that needs to be taken. It needs to be taken right now. You know, President Biden has said, you know, now that this is off the table, he's got a plan B. He hasn't told us what plan B is yet, but he's saying he can use his executive authority uh, to secure that border. Well, you know, he could have used that executive authority starting on January 20th, 2021. He hasn't done it. In fact, what he has done is precisely the opposite. At every turn, he has undermined the security of our borders, uh, ignored immigration laws, undermined immigration laws. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens, what he's planning to do now that he's facing reelection. But, this is something that he's told us he didn't have the authority to do. Well, yes, he has always had the authority. The law gave him that authority and he has simply refused to use it. Mm
2: -hmm. What really, you know, just makes me crazy, and I'm sure you as well, after all these years of covering this story, you know, the media chose to either ignore the story or to brandish, you know, call me a racist, call FAIR racist organization. You know, that was their answer. And now all of a sudden it's, Oh, no, no, this is a real problem, but it was created by Republicans, which is just so ludicrous. Although I do hold uh, Ronald Reagan, the late great, somewhat responsible for making the idea of amnesty ever palatable to the Republicans. But I think those days are over, don't you?
1: Oh, yes, and, and I mean this is a real problem because it's affecting people everywhere. It's not just along the border. You look at what Eric Adams is dealing with in New York City, uh, and many other mayors and governors around the country uh, you, you, you know Eric Adams, you know he's partially at fault because he is sticking with the sanctuary policies and the right to shelter laws. but New York City right now is spending more on the illegal aliens than they spend on the police fire and sanitation departments combined. Mm. I mean, that's astounding. Uh, Mm. More money is going to the illegal aliens than to provide the basic services that New Yorkers need.
2: Yeah, And that that's when it starts to resonate and become much more of an electoral issue, is when people in cities, and particularly in blue cities and blue states, when their lives become directly affected, when their veterans can't get health care, but they watch illegal aliens get the best health care, when their kids are being shun, you know shunned from school, they can't go into their school or high school because it's now housing illegal immigrants, it really... You can't run from this issue anymore, and it doesn't matter how they, how they dress it up. It's hurting people.
1: Yeah, and it affects the most disadvantaged people in New York. You know, the wealthy people don't send their kids to the New York City public school system anymore. Right. Uh, it is affecting the people who are the poorest, who have no options. Uh, you know, they're already starting at a disadvantage, and this is just going to disadvantage them even more.
2: Mm hmm. So now the the purpose, I mean, you guys go down to the border all the time, but the purpose generally is to shine a light on what the most egregious problems are down there. What is the Border Patrol t- telling you what? I, I don't believe um, some of the news that I'm hearing that, oh, they supported this bill. I don't believe that.
1: Well, the Border Patrol, they have a gag order. They're not allowed to talk to anybody under this administration. Look, Mm -hmm. the Border Patrol Union was bought off. The Mm -hmm. bill included uh, pay raises for the Border Patrol, and it was precisely for that reason, to shut them up. Uh, But, you know, we were talking to members of the Texas National Guard, uh, the Texas Department of Public Safety. They tell us that, you know, they, they talk to these folks all the time. They all live in the same communities. The border patrol agents live along those border, along that border as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to do something. Uh, you know, th- their hands are being tied by Washington. They don't want a confrontation. So when Texas closed Shelby uh, Park in Eagle Pass to the federal government because they didn't want them com- cutting down the razor wire or moving the uh, shipping containers that were blocking access to the shoreline, uh, the border patrol agents were telling them off the record that they were not going to engage in any kind of confrontation unless they were absolutely ordered to do so from Washington. And luckily, so far, that has not happened.
2: Oh, you want to talk about a losing issue for them at the ballot box. Uh, Just go ahead and do that. It's not enough that the last time I was in an airport, a major airport, I'm watching people be, uh, they're given free access to the boarding area while I have to go through all kinds of hoops and I have to have a license and everything else, and they don't have anything, and they're just being paraded onto airplanes. I mean, people are now, it's up close and personal. It's not just a news report. We're watching it happen.
1: Yeah, you, you can see it at any airport. Uh, look, I mean, the American public recognizes this, anytime they look around, that people who are violating our immigration laws are actually being treated better than citizens of this country, better than the taxpayers of this country. Uh, In fact, as taxpayers, they have to fund it all. Mm -hmm. So the American public is up in arms. It's the number one concern, uh, according to the polls on the American public's mind, and it's uh, number one for a reason. Uh, It is out of control. It has been created by this administration. It has been deliberately done to us, and something needs to be done to change it.
2: Right. And images like the, uh, you know, the police being stomped in on 42nd Street and then the uh, the illegal alien walking out of a jail without even bond, you know, giving a middle finger to the American people. We take that very personally. Uh, I I don't understand how they thought this was going to work in their favor.
1: Well, uh, you know, when our leaders have contempt for our laws, we Mm. can't expect other people to have respect for them. Uh, the American public still seems to think that laws matter and that we should enforce laws because a, a society cannot exist otherwise. But our leadership has basically sold out that concept entirely, and we're paying the price for it.
2: Yeah. And of course, we have a presidential election in spite of every effort they're making to uh, to, to keep Donald Trump off ballots and all the rest, you know, put him in four different legal battles. This enge- endears him to the American people because this was his issue in 2016. And he snuck in where everyone was predicting Hillary Clinton was going to win. Newspapers had already printed that headline. but it was the issue of immigration that propelled him over the top. What, you know, I, I see this as a great opportunity for him.
1: Well, look, I mean, the American public is, you know, as I said, if you look at the polling, it is the issue, issue number one of public concern. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's obviously going to be on the minds of the voters when they go to the uh, ballot boxes next November. Uh, It's up to the American people to decide what they want to do uh, and how they want to handle this. But, um, you know, clearly they're not happy with the way things are going now
2: right well ira thank you stay safe down there as always uh you know it's, uh, i i'm grateful that you let me know when you're going to be there and other places so we can talk uh give my best Thanks. to everyone i will thank you all right hey, listen federation of american immigration reform is an organization that i've been affiliated with for a long time i don't make any bones about that i go to washington once a year to uh, be part of their um, rally and their uh, legislative actions because this organization, from the very time I started on the radio, uh, stood up for me when everybody else was attacking me, when people were calling me all kinds of very ugly names. It was fair that said, well, wait a second, where is she wrong? You know, how, how could you call it uh, bigotry if everything she's giving, the information that I gave them, was all factual? And if I thought, It was insane then in, you know, the early 90s, in the late 80s and the early 90s. Today, it is Eastern Standard Time, it is 328. So far today, we know of 7,730 illegal border crossings today. Well, it's up to 31. That's what we know about. How many gotaways? How many other? instances that we don't know about. Yeah, it's the biggest issue on the voters' minds. And while I would support Donald Trump, uh, regardless of this being the biggest issue, he's the only one who wants to fix this. He's the only one who's not afraid of this issue. He's the only one who understands what they're really trying to do, which is to literally change America. And this is not a fair way to do it anyway let me take a quick break you stay right where you are I have Mary Rook coming from the Daily Caller in just a little uh, a few minutes stay right where you are all these
1: crazy alien stories can't be true can they hey it's Stephen Diener of the Unidentified Alien podcast and whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there the Unidentified Alien podcast or UAP for short there's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world and the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com.
2: All right, welcome back. Now, of course, you know, it's been a lot of years that people like me and people like you, my listening audience, have been reading Daily Caller. Um, I think back to the days when I think it was Neil Patel and and Tucker Carlson uh, got it started. Well, let me ask Mary Rook. She's a Daily Caller columnist, and she's my guest for the next portion. It was uh, Tucker and Neil, wasn't it?
0: Yes, it is. It was started by Neil Patel, and, and they were roommates in college. And um, it was Tucker actually talked about this a lot. It was after one of the times he got fired from Legacy Media, right. and he was like, "I I have to put my kids through college." Neil, what are we going to do now? Mm. And they said, "Okay, let's start a media company." And that's kind of how Daily Caller was born. And now we are one of the leading conservative news sites. We just put out um, exclusive after exclusive every day. And this rigged documentary that we're going to be talking about today is just another part of that pie.
2: And I think what's interesting about this documentary and for the listeners, it's called Rigged, and it's about... Uh, The electoral process in America, but it points out that this is not a problem that started in 2020, although many people first became aware (laughs) and and enraged about it in 2020 and in 2022, but this goes back in America for, I don't know, decades, I, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of one of the first times I noticed irregularities or problems or issues with our election system was when I was growing up and you had the hanking Chad ballot in Florida. Mm -hmm. And um, Jimmy Carter actually helped start a commission and to get to the bottom of it. And one of the big glaring issues was ballot harvesting, or not ballot harvesting, but absentee ballots, and how do you handle that situation? Mm -hmm. And um, actually, a report out of Florida about election fraud cases the famous quote from it says, absentee ballots are the tool of choice of vote thieves. Mm. And it's kind of crazy that absentee ballots are the only kind of ballot that is voted outside of the supervision of election officials and outside of the observation of poll watchers. So we, we need to have secure measures in place, and we didn't have that in 2020. The pandemic, the COVID pandemic, really allowed this kind of rampant um, expansion of the absentee ballot issue.
2: Well, and I think what's so outrageous, you know, I'm an old person at this point. (laughs) I have to, you know, I have to claim my seat at the senior station. And I, I remember how important election day was how Mm -hmm. and you had to go to work it's not like everybody had election day off but you made a way and you found a time whether it was on your lunch hour or before or after you went to work to go and vote in person on a paper ballot so that there was a, a record of your vote and how we got from that which, by the way, is still the most efficient way to tally votes because they still do it in many other countries. How we got from that to like, well, you could go to a nursing home and fill out 35 ballots and then drop them in this box and they'll have the same clout as the actual voters might. I
0: I couldn't agree more. And I think it really speaks to um, where we are as a country now, where America really used to be one of the, few countries where you could take your vote seriously. It wasn't like when you were in Iran or, you know, somewhere else like China, where you couldn't guarantee that your vote was actually being counted correctly or the guy that you voted for was going to win in the end. In America we really had that. We had a sense of pride where we all lined up and we put our name on the chip and we said this is who we're going to vote for and but we've now become so relaxed on that. And um, this documentary, "Rigged: Death of the American Voter," really goes into in twenty twenty how it became so apparent. For every American, how far we had fallen. I mean, you had rooms where stacks and stacks of ballots were being sat down, and without any supervision, without people being able to tell what was going on with their. And it's easy to doubt what's happening to those ballots. It's easy to doubt our institutions when you know you see one man winning for an entire night, and then all of a sudden you wake up the next day and thousands of ballots are being found for the other guy it it's, yeah. it's hard to take an election like that seriously
2: it is and i you know i saw that they just uh, have a new lead they have a new leader at npr national public radio which is basically state run media and they yeah. now have a leader who i remember her biggest you know presence was talking about how 2020 was the safest, most secure election that had ever taken place in America. And I'm thinking, you know, are we looking in the same country in the same election? Because how detached from reality is that viewpoint?
0: And that's exactly it. I think the
2: media has no idea
0: what a disservice it did to itself from twenty twenty and on, not just with the pandemic, but how they handled the election. If you can honestly sit there and say that this is the most secure election when you have six states that only had a differentiate of ten thousand votes, I think in Georgia it might have been eleven thousand. Mm-hmm. But when you see that happening in its all swing states it's all states that Biden had to win, and then all of those states also had, you know, relaxed laws on absentee ballots, and you saw people putting pizza boxes up on windows and mm-hmm. all of these things to keep the voter out. And that's what we really mean by death of American voter. We're no longer a part of this process in such a, a glaring way now, where. The the Democrats have been really pushing the idea to be putting the absentee ballot on the forefront because it is is—it's less regulated. You don't have the secure measures in place to make sure that the supervision is there to protect your vote. And it's not that votes are being stolen. It was that, you know, how can you tell that they're not? Mm -hmm. And And that's the hardest part is Americans are not dumb. Mm -hmm. And there is that old saying where, you know, don't believe your lying eyes. Mm -hmm. Well, we can look and we can see that hanky things are happening. And if you can't give us a logical explanation to how that's happening, we're going to come to our own conclusion. And the conclusion is that you're stealing our vote from us.
2: Yeah. And I think that's that's especially true. You know, like I said, I'm an older person, but I look at, you know, millennials and younger, all these Gen X, Y, Z, whatever they are, and... (laughs) They've never uh, known an election day and a secure election. To them, an election starts four months before election day, and it could end two months after election day, which is so insane. So they probably have zero confidence in the whole electoral uh, process, and who can blame them? What what are we teaching them when we allow this to go on?
0: Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I think that when you couple that, with what mark zuckerberg and other mega donors were able to do when they spent 450 million Mm dollars to get their get out the vote campaign for the democrats i mean they tried to pretend like it was strengthening election infrastructure and that it was supposed to help widen availability to be able to you know run elections during a pandemic but in reality it was a massive get out the vote campaign for democrats and when you see that kind of stuff happening and then you see the facebook algorithms suppress conservative news, suppress ideas about the Hunter ba- um, Biden laptop being real or originated. The Daily Caller was one of the first media companies to independently verify the laptop is genuine. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it, you, at first you say, OK, man, this is just so sad. It's about a, a kid that is troubled. And his dad is sending him out there with all of these thugs and oligarchs and you know murderers in the Chinese Communist Party, and he's asking him to do all of these deals with them. And then you go, oh wait, he's asking him to do all these deals, ten percent for the big guy. Mm-hmm. What kind of person or father does that to his son? But we were told it was Russian disinformation, and we have a intel agencies telling us that this isn't real. And I think that that's that just. Along with everything else, how can you take the election seriously anymore?
2: Yeah. Well, and and now that's the question. You know, at the end of watching Rigged, what are what are we going to walk away with? What is the uh, what do you think would secure elections going forward?
0: I think the reality is, is that a lot of red states have taken major steps in shutting down these absentee ballot regimes. Mm -hmm. There are states that you're going to have to fight harder in, and they are going to be important states like Arizona and Nevada and all of these states that we are going to need to get on board. But Republicans are aware of this issue now. And so our hope and prayer is that you go and vote. Mm -hmm. that you stand in line, that you do not get out, that you overwhelm the system by making sure that your vote counts. Mm -hmm. And you check back and you say, because there is a way for you to go back onto your election system for every state and make sure that your vote was counted. Mm -hmm. And if you know that you are not going to be able to get there on election day, you use the less playbook against them. You use their their absentee ballot program. You go and you go door to door, and you help out all of these get-out-the-vote campaigns because it can't be a scenario in which we sit down and we shut her down and we get inside our turtle shell. We have to get out, and we have to show them how important our country is by voting.
2: I know one of our congressmen, Congressman Byron Donalds, uh, you know, he came out early on after the 2022 election. And he said, look, you need to bank your vote. Uh, This is their game plan, and they're counting on us not following that game plan And I I think you're right. I think we're going to have to do that. And we're going to have to have better poll watchers. This idea that people walked away when pizza boxes were put in the windows, like what kind of people do that? I want high powered attorneys standing at these, particularly in these swing states like Pennsylvania, like Wisconsin. I want somebody observing this election and not taking you get out of here for an answer.
0: And I think that that's where the right has a disadvantage. I mean, we like to joke around or, you know, kind of demonize Mark Elias, who is the powerhouse lawyer for the Democrats in every way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is the right needs our own version of Mark Elias out there hunting down every single ballot and every way for us to be voting. Mm -hmm. And if you know of a way to help out in that system, then you should be volunteering because our country is important and worth the time. And being a poll watcher and making sure that you're helping get out the vote campaigns, that kind of stuff is what's going to save our country. You know, it's not sitting down. It's not tweeting. It's not being on Facebook. It's actually doing the hard work. And it's this November and we have to galvanize the base in order to do that. And I think the beautiful part of rigged is that. It's done in such a way that is captivating to an audience in which they want to watch every single minute of it. And it gives you actual election information in order for you to be able to go out and almost weaponize your own self in order to be able to be a better poll watcher, in order to be able to look to see what is what would be considered hinky, what would not be considered hinky. All of these things are an important thing to be paying attention to.
2: Yeah, and I always say, you know, I live in Florida, and we've got a governor who has really tightened up our elections. We're probably in better shape. We of the hanging Chad have a a tighter grip on elections now than almost any other state. But we've got dozens and dozens of retired lawyers living in every community down here. And I told them, most of them conservatives, I told them, you all need to get out there and you got to qualify and go be a, a a poll watcher and stand in as an attorney so that you know you know your rights you know they they were pushing these poor people around and telling them you can't come in and we're closing down for 3 hours and all this nonsense none of that should have happened
0: absolutely and that's exactly the way that you, we have to handle it we it has to be an all hands on deck effort mm mm-hmm. mhm
2: well, I, you know, how do people get to watch it? I mean, I'm a Daily Caller, you know, subscriber, so I, I know there was a period of time where we could watch it. How, how's everybody else going to see it?
0: Okay, so go to the Daily Caller website, and you can sign up right there. It's the first icon at the top of the screen. Uh, at the top of the screen, it says "Rigged Death of the American Voter." Watch now. You just click that, and you sign up to be a Patriot subscriber, and um, you'll have access to not only Rigged, but all of our election analysis and commentary and then also we have several more documentaries that we've already done and are coming up on the docket including a great one that's about to come out on um the our
2: our higher education system which should be
0: a real great one to be able to view too so you'll get ahead on that one and you'll be able to watch rigged before november
2: well thank you so much mary i appreciate you coming on today thank you for having me joyce i appreciate it all right well, that you have your marching orders, all right? I want you to go to the Daily Caller website I, I have seen, Rigged. Um, it's pretty, pretty disturbing because I've been saying this stuff and so have many other radio talk show hosts and television hosts, and people kept saying, you know, stop with the conspiracies and stop with the alarming people. You better get alarmed because if, if we lose the fair and free electoral process— well, then we are a third world banana republic, and I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm not willing to cede to that. or, or to, to That's not my legacy. I don't want that to be my legacy, and I know you don't want it to be yours. Don't forget coming up after me is Eric Erickson, followed by Joe Paggs, followed by Lars Larson, and then the overnight guys until Jen and Bill come back with the South Florida Morning Show at 6 a.m., followed by Brian Kilmeade at 9, Dan Bongino at noon, and then, of course, I'll be back at 3. But I have one segment left today, so don't touch that dial. I'm not a big believer in like mediums, and i not a believer at all, uh, in these people who have these seances, and they contact the dead and all that other stuff. I know that a lot of people do believe that, and, and for many people, they, they want to have some kind of contact with a lost loved one. Um, you know, I'm just not one of those people, but apparently the president of the United States is clairvoyant or, or something. I mean, he obviously has been conducting seances for quite some time now. Yeah. Just recently he told his donors that he had met with uh French president, Francois Mitterrand to talk about the, uh, September not September, January sixth event. The only problem was that when he said it happened, Mitterrand was dead already. So last night he did one better. He told his donors that the he was talking about the insurrection at the US Capitol with German Chancellor Helmut Kohl in twenty twenty one. Unfortunately, though, Helmut Kohl died in 2017. So, either our president is clairvoyant and a bit of a medium, or he's losing it big time. What do you think the world is thinking when they see the president of the United States talking about how he was at a G7 meeting, and he was talking to the president of France, or he was talking to the pre- the chancellor of Germany, only they were dead at the time. And this keeps happening. Now it's, you know, it's okay because it's a campaign event, right? So, oh, well, we're not going to, it's not like he made a speech about it. Well, that's what he's doing. He's making speeches at campaign events where he's trying to get people to give him money, and he's having a tough time doing that. They're all having a tough time, and let me tell you why. Because we don't believe a word any of them say, okay? But this guy just makes up stories. You know, oh, my my first G7 meeting as president, which uh, took place in London, well, I had a conversation with Helmut Kohl. Okay, but the German chancellor at the time was Angela Merkel. So you didn't just, you know, get the wrong guy, you got the wrong gender, Helmut Kohl said, Joe, what do you think if you picked up uh, the phone and picked up the paper tomorrow and learned in the London Times on the front page that a 1,000 people stormed the parliament, broke down the doors of the House of Commons and killed two bobbies in the process trying to stop the election of a prime minister. He said that that was said to him. Now, of course, Robert De Niro was at this event. But Robert De Niro could care less if Joe Biden lies or doesn't lie. As long as Donald Trump doesn't win, you know, it's okay with Robert De Niro, whatever. There were 50 people who heard this and you won't see a report on it except on a few conservative websites. And even they are reluctant to go there. Well, that's of course, because now Nikki Haley wants to make a deal of Donald Trump's age. You know, the... There's a big difference, I think anybody who cannot spot the difference between the aging Joe Biden and the aging Donald Trump is either a liar or too stupid to to have conversations with and definitely too stupid to vote. I'm just, you know, say it as plainly as possible. But uh, this guy is deteriorating right before our very eyes, and he is their candidate, you know. I, I remember when he called on a, a, a dead congresswoman. You know, Jackie, Jackie, where are you? Jackie's in uh, in her grave, Joe. That was Jackie Walorsky from, uh, I think she was a Republican from Indiana. She was killed in a car accident, and a couple of months after that, he's calling out for her at a White House conference on hunger. It's, you know, the deterioration is happening quickly. And apparently nobody cares enough about this guy to shield him from the inevitable commentary that's going to result when you've got a president who keeps claiming he talks to dead people what was that movie with the little boy he said i see i see dead people <laughs> whatever it was a bruce willis movie i can't remember the name of it now but apparently our, our president sees dead people and has like long conversations with them about january 6th it's about the only thing this guy ever wants to talk about anymore. Okay, just just saying. Anyway, um, these guys in Washington, I think it was Dan Bongino earlier was saying, like, we don't want you to do anything. Stop doing anything because everything you touch turns into mush. He's right, you know. I don't send people up there to fix the problems, the messes that they made. Just get out of the way and let the rest of us Uh, have as much freedom as possible so that we can live our lives. So I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at three if it be his will and he delays his coming. May God bless you and may God bless the United States of America. I'll see you all tomorrow at three.